podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap, brought to you by the numbers 5 and 15 and the letter W, and it's also in association with Reds Bet. Uh, Reds Bet are sponsoring the Anfield Wrap through the entirety of 2018. Half of your losses go to Liverpool supported and related causes or initiatives uh, throughout 2018. Do select which ones you'd want it to go to as and when it comes to the key moments of signing up to Reds Bet. And if it's not for you, it's not for you, that's absolutely fine, and be gamble aware. Uh, Liverpool have gone, they've won five on the bounce, they went to Tottenham Hotspur at the weekend, they won by two goals goals to one and Gareth Roberts it could have been five easily yeah um, I, I, I thought it was a great performance I've, I've seen a bit of cry arson about you know sort of members of the front three not being quite honoured and all this kind of stuff and yet you know we tore them apart for me and that this is one of our our rivals if you like for a top three top four place you know they aspire to be at the very top of the league just like we do they're building a new ground they aspire to be a big club and I know Van Aldum said after the, the game that it isn't a statement as such and that's fine that's how he sees it and that's how they're talking in the dressing room but it is it is for me because you think last season that we only get one point away from home against the you know big six clubs if you like and we've already topped that now by going there and winning it is a statement because I think up to now you know, everyone's been saying over and over again, there's more gears for Liverpool to go to. On on the day when they click, they'll absolutely blow someone away, all this kind of stuff. This is another level now. And, and I, I was really pleased that Klopp just come out in front of it and went, that's the best we've played. Like, because, you know, obviously people will try and say, oh, you know, there was the penalty situation and conceding late's not great and all this sort of stuff and wastefulness in front of goal. Understandable points. But nevertheless, we've gone to Wembley and dominated against Spurs, created all the chances, created all the big chances, had more on target than them and controlled the game. I mean, they had the ball for ages, but they didn't do anything with it. They were hoofing it. Um, and when, when Spurs are resorting to hoofing it because they don't want to go through our midfield, then you know you're doing something right. It's... Saying when Alden says it doesn't want to be a statement win, it's just three points. I think that firstly says something about Liverpool's mindset. But the other way in which it looks like a statement result to me, Paul, is how far away Spurs look to us. That it's a double-edged sword, this. It's not just the idea of don't Liverpool look as though they've got a bit about them. There was, you know, Spurs were three out of three. They were three wins out of three and now they find themselves three wins out of five where Manchester City have got 13 points on the board. Chelsea have got 15 points on the board. Liverpool have got 15 points on the board. And they've also still got to come to Anfield, as basic as that might sound after five games to say that, but they've still got to come to Anfield and get something. And that, you know, if they want to be, if they want to be around us and that's not to write them off or anything like that, but there was a bit of, when the final whistle actually went, one of the things that went through my head was Spurs might not be our business now. And that's, that's a mad place to be this early in this campaign. Yes, Spurs not being our business might, might, might become true over the next, over the next few weeks. We'll have to see how sort of they bounce back. Uh, It's, it's a statement performance from Liverpool that really because I was I was at Wembley last year for around sixty minutes before before I couldn't see any more. Um, it was it was quite it was quite incredible actually the the sort of mindset shift that was quite apparent in the way the two teams had, had lined up and I think Liverpool have played thirty three thirty four Premier League games since since the last time they were at Wembley. And the, the difference is phenomenal. Um, you know, I think on paper, oh, sorry, in your mind, you don't think that there's been that much change, but there's certainly a, a seismic mind shift in the fact that Tottenham really fancied having a go at Liverpool that day. Really, quite from foot, they played the fastest possible fullbacks they could play. They really wanted to have a go at Liverpool, and I thought they were slightly withdrawn. They didn't want to be, they didn't want to engage our midfield whatsoever. 
they didn't. Pay there's a lot of respect, didn't they? A, a lot of respect, too much maybe. And but I think they pay you too much because of how things have changed since the last time we that we were there. And you know we're now what are we six points ahead of them after five games. I mean, if we could keep that record going for the rest of the season, I'd be I'd be thrilled, obviously. But the um, the the gap felt a bit of a gap, and that that was that was what I'm taking away from it. Really, is that Liverpool have evolved. This is a side that that have sold 145 million pounds worth of midfielders since that game, but also added some really really good footballers, but mostly Virgil Van Dijk, and the di- the difference is phenomenal. There was a seriousness of purpose about us, Josh, and that's what I'm, what you know, coming away from it. What I'm, I most enjoyed that, with the exception of the silliness, if you want to refer to that, for ten minutes in the final third, from about seventy-five to eighty-five, there was a proper seriousness of purpose about Liverpool that they knew that they that they were determined just to simply demonstrate that they were they were better than Tottenham on the day, that and and that that was across all departments. Very little daft things happened very few bad decisions were made as I say in the, in the first two thirds of the pitch Liverpool were they were. They, it was almost a steamroller of a performance yeah and it feels like this is the sort of the, the almost the new Liverpool and the Jurgen Klopp it felt like particularly in his first sort of season and a half Liverpool were, were this and Dan Morgan's used the, the sort of best description this he called Liverpool a high wire act where it felt like you can either balance on the rope and it looks dead good or, or you or you go flying off and it doesn't feel so much like that anymore it feels like a Liverpool side who who exercised so much control and it was it was it was strange watching the sort of first 10 minutes where where Liverpool have all the all the chances going forward because that felt like a throwback to the early Liverpool and the Klopp where they just go mad for the first 10 minutes and, and we've not seen so much that it feels like we usually grow into games now. But for, the, for, for basically the whole game, Bob, maybe the 10 minutes that you, that you mentioned, we were just, you were just dominant. The ten, that 10 minutes, Josh, just to come back to you on it, it it's one of the things about that, that 10 was, was that you got the impression it was us making it clear that you're, you're playing this game on our terms. And, but they'd almost already bought that. How long the grass was, for instance, to me was a thing. You know, the pitch wasn't properly watered. The, the way they'd chosen to say, we're just going to bypass midfield, we're going to go front to back. All we did in those 10 minutes was we confirmed their worst fears, which is that we're better than them. So you've got to play this way. You've got to play like a, like an upmarket Burnley. That's the only way you're going to get something out of it. Yeah, it's strange that you mentioned those sort of other circumstances around it because I, I hadn't considered it. And I actually thought their long ball was quite reactive because in the first probably half an hour, you'd say they just seemed to constantly keep losing the ball and keep they kept trying to go backwards to their defenders and then there was too much of a gap between the midfield and the defence and one of our lads was occupying it. It felt like that, that sort of constantly happened over over a half an hour spell that every time we pressed them and every time that we we sort of that even even though they were on the front foot and they were having the passes whenever they turned around, there was a Liverpool man there. They the game as it develops, Paul, it just becomes it becomes clear that they're they're concerned. We'll come on to talk about the goals, but one of the, the key things that happens after the, the first goal comes in is they've got to change their approach. They've got to start to play through midfield a little bit. And I spent, you were in the ground and I wasn't, and I spent a lot of the first half quite frustrated with our midfield from what I could see on television in that I couldn't see them. They were just getting bypassed. They were just not, they didn't feel like that anyone was really in the game. And then as soon as Spurs tried to play through midfield, they just came off second best over and over and over again in every department to especially Milner and Wijnaldum. Yeah, I've seen a bit of that actually in sort of our, our post-match stuff and I, I was quite surprised and I th- I, when I see, I'd heard you say on the pink and Ben Johnson in his in his match report and his um, ratings, I should say, that you thought Milner and Wijnaldum struggle first half at, at half time. They were they, they were all I spoke about just how well they were doing. You know, I thought I thought they were really in control of the game, and I think that might be that what leads Spurs to go as direct as they do is the fact that any time anything drops in that midfield, 
bang when Alden was there, but especially James Milner was there. I thought James Milner was, well, James Milner's my man of the match. Uh, quite simply, he was absolutely everywhere, and maybe just after a couple of minutes, it dawned on them we're not we're not getting past them. The easiest way to get through this is to just go above them. And that was just so apparent. But that didn't work either. That's the thing. Because it's just like Happy days. And, you know, winning Everton. And, like, I actually thought, I think you put on the agenda later on, like, a, a, a chat about Van Dyke, but just briefly on it. I actually didn't think it was his best day. You know what I mean? Like, he, he puts he puts a pass out of touch. He gives a, a dangerous free kick away at a, at a stupid time, if you like, and stuff like that. But it's just his position. His position is just brilliant. It, it, it's like... It's like having Sammy back in in that and in, in the air. He's just always there. He's but better on the ground as well. well I, I course, mean, I've yeah, watched but... I've watched it back this morning, and just Gary Neville notes in in his commentary that just just a, a simple free kick and just the, the level of pass he's playing from side to side. Just the fact he can step him and Joe Gomez can just mm. step out comfortable in possession and get Liverpool moving there's, again is, is something that's quite new there's something about Van Dyke, Gareth you know there's this thing isn't it that you've got as a footy player you've got your area so there's your area that you're responsible for and the thing about Van Dyke, because of the size of him and because of the speed of him is his area is absolutely enormous that's the thing the thing is that there's you can push right up the pitch because if Kane tries to turn him around I'd back Van Dyke to be literally beat Kane in a race maybe not Mora but Kane just to beat him in a race you saw Gomez beat Mora in a race yeah. later on second half but the pair of them they're able to say right my, my, my square or my rectangle it goes from all the way up there to all the way back there you can't get it over my head because I'll win the header you can't go around me because I'll do this you can't I, Liverpool were just happy to leave them two on two and just say that it's going to be all right. Yeah, and and the fullbacks are no slouches either. I think I think you see with Trent that you know he backs himself because he he'll push right up because he knows if you try and turn him, he's got the recovery pace to get back as well. So that that obviously helps as well. And I just think my like sort of takeaway from it, apart from you know what I said at the start about it is a statement win, it is a big win, and all the rest of it is just that. It just looks like, which is brilliant for us. It looks like it's an absolute nightmare to play Liverpool. Yeah. Like, like, what do you do? How, how do you get past us now? And and, and what, how do you plot a way through that? And Spurs are a good side. You know, they, they're a side that we didn't get it. We only got one point off last season, and it's and it's the same group of players. And yet they would they ended up clueless there. I mean. You know, I've seen some. I said before, I've seen some people sort of losing the shit a little bit about it, and maybe that's just you know humans and that. But fuck, come on, you know what I mean? Like, they, apart from where he hits the post, there's nothing there, and and yeah, okay, bit of a mm, dodgy penalty shout thing at the end. But, but there, there was never a thing. There was never a time in the match where it, where it really felt they, they built a head of steam here, and at any minute now there's a goal coming. We were all right. Josh, my fear throughout the whole match was is best sort of articulated into the sentence of not scoring when on top. That's my biggest gripe. That's my biggest issue yeah. with Liverpool across the whole game is not scoring when on top. And the way it actually transpired was by the five minutes of injury time, we were on top for 90 minutes. But all the way through, I was thinking, well, they'll have a little spell. They'll have 10 minutes. And yeah, you know, more, Gareth's right to point out when Mora hits the post, he does really well against Gomez because he's a good player. That's the thing. You're not going to have it all your own way against good players. But to have gone to their gaff and had it all, mostly all our own way against good players is just hugely impressive. Yeah, and I think what, you, what you're sort of saying there about uh, about not scoring and being on top, I think that was reflected in in the mood at Motel when, when Lamella does score because it almost feels a bit like, oh, fuck's sake, Liverpool. Like, we could have had this game killed by now. But I suppose that what, what's like, 
like the almost the old Liverpool under Klopp have, have ingrained into our heads is that sometimes when when we when we don't score and we're on top, it costs us late in games. But this Liverpool team don't they don't look like a team who are who are gonna who are gonna lose it late on in games. They look like a team who can really manage their way late on in games. So perhaps we need to have a bit more trust going forward when we when we don't score. They do do really well. There's the, there's the rash of chances, Paul, but they actually do really well for the 10 minutes after the rash of chances. And then it's only really that one corner and injury time where they get something. But even in that last 10, it was I was waiting for the Tottenham Hotspur kitchen stink, sink and it never comes. It never comes. Yeah, I mean, I, I may be looking at the penalty a bit too much and I think we do get away with it a little bit. And that, that, that concerns me slightly, but I think Gareth's... Gareth Rice and saying, you know, there's there's not a time really where we're under great pressure apart from that very concentrated part of the game. I mean, I think it's not it's not even from ninety minutes, it's from like ninety-two to ninety-five. It's you know, it was it wasn't it wasn't easy to go through in the I, ground. I've but... got one here for you and I'll throw it in. That there's a there's a header from Kane on eighty-five, which is a dead easy save for the keeper. It's just a looping header that he easily catches. That was their first attempt on target in the second half space, eighty-fifth minute. Yeah, Liverpool seem to get more of a stranglehold on the game second half, and I think naturally your nerves come into it a bit more. And you, I think once I'd watched it back again this morning, I thought, oh, well, actually there was well more chances for Liverpool in this game than mm. what you quite realised in the ground. Because there's, there's loads of that. There's loads of watching it back and being able to keep it. Take a the once of, the emotions uh, gone, yeah. and you know the results coming. You, you, I was sort of like, oh, actually we were a bit, bit, bit. I knew we were good, and I knew that we were much the better side, but I didn't realise. By quite the distance, and I was listening to um, Stuart Pearce talking about Liverpool and just going, the head and shoulders, the it, you know we, they would walk the league if it wasn't for Manchester City, and he, I, I mean he fancies us, but the, the the point was I I wasn't quite as convinced that we were so dom- that we dominated them as much as we did, and when Gareth says there that the first shot on target is at that point in the second half, that that's surprising, but also you know by the same point we'd had. Just in the second we, half, we'd had six on target. Exactly. exactly. The, the, the wastefulness is, it was a concern. And, you know, the, the, I, I don't know if, with it being Harry Kane on the pitch or something, Mo Salah seemed hell-bent to outperform him in that, in that game. It was almost like a six-pointer for him, you know. Um, and that, that needs to stop a little bit for me. The, there was there was times where the, a lot of the wrong well, pass was happening. On that, what's dead interesting, you mentioned six attempts on target, second half, Gareth. We have 10, and there's an excellent Andrew Beasley article in the Echo today. Andrew's at columns very much worth reading in the Echo every Monday, but this one makes the point that, you know, there's not to get 10 shots on target in a game. It doesn't happen that often, and it's no. not it's only, it's only the fourth time it's happened to Tottenham in, in, in four years, I think he says, and the oh. first time at home that someone's had 10 shots on target. But my point is, it should have been more is that the actual issues at times were, wasn't just the idea that people were having a shot at the wrong time. It was the pass to lead to a shot yeah. was the wrong ball. That time and again, Liverpool, the error isn't just the, the, the last two bits of the play. It's actually the bit before that where if you just make the right ball at the right time, someone does have another shot on target. That, that statistic gets even more out of hand. You might even score from it. You know, that's how dominant we were. There's about You can pinpoint about five times watching the game back where if you freeze frame it, you can probably say, if this happens, this happens, and this happens, we score. Yeah, absolutely. There was so much of that, just making the wrong choice or just holding the ball for a little bit too long or just a little bit of indecision. I thought Mane a few times in particular is guilty of that. Um, even the one where he eventually gives it to Keiter and Keiter has the shot. 
you know, there's maybe an argument to say should have gone the other side tomorrow. Um, and and there was a few of them, yeah. And and I I feel like Spurs have got away with one. Um, they're, they're lucky to get one. They're lucky to get two one. Um, you know, said at the top it could have been three, four, or five, and that that wouldn't have flattered Liverpool whatsoever. I think I think for me is though, and I mean, I mean, there's a lot being said about that, isn't there? That, that Liverpool should win four 0 It's not like we don't do that against big sides either. You know, we've done it to City, we've done it to Roma, we've done you know we've done it in the big game. So. I think I think we can be be calm walking away from this. That you know, against Paris Saint Germain in the week, it it could be that again. It's, we just need to since the start of the season. It just it's just going to take a little bit of sharpening the pencil a bit, and it will come back. But the thing for me is, we're still opening sides up. It doesn't look like we've gone blunt. It's just that we've been a bit wasteful. But that that with a bit of confidence will come. I think our front three have been a bit a bit strange this season, and I don't, I don't mean that to say that they've all they've all necessarily played badly, but I do wonder whether sides are are almost starting to take the hit on hit on Liverpool's front <coughs> front three a bit in terms of the sort of it's, it looks like sides are trying to stop Liverpool's front three really getting into the game and playing much, and that I think they won't sometimes take the hit that that one of them maybe breaks and one of them maybe has his chance, and it seems to be Firmino in the last couple of games who's who's popped up with that more often than not, but it feels like Salah in particular teams are willing to say, look, you can leave one of one of the other two. We'll just stop him playing, stop this man playing, stop Sane playing, stop sorry, stop Mane playing, stop Salah playing, and it's, it feels like they're willing to do that to to almost maybe just limit the scoreline, and then and then maybe they think going late, later on into a game that they can they can open Liverpool up. I, with I, I was astonished about uh, the fullback strategy from Tottenham. I couldn't believe it. There was not like I was looking at ours, and ours were quite respectful to Mora and Eriksson. I felt you know Eriksson's not a, a pace merchant, but Mora is. So Liverpool were picking the right time to go. Trent, very, Trent and Robertson overlapped when necessary, but not all the time because you've got Milner and Kiter moving either side. But Rose and Trippier were constantly going, constantly going, and I was we, we were in. If, and if Milner or Wijnaldum found a way of dispossessing the Tottenham, we were in all the time, and it it was quite considering they were showing us so much respect. Tottenham, that bit was quite arrogant. I felt. I that. think they were trying to copy Leicester. So if you think about Leicester, Leicester really expo- left the centre halves mm. open as well. But what they had was they had they had Mendy and Ndidi mm. sitting really really deep, and then they stood, so the full backs would go, but they wouldn't go so far, and then they took in and they just compressed us into that space. And I think they were trying to do that. But what was happening was those full backs were going even further again. And I just think, I, I mean, I'm I'm I, I want to be careful not to slaughter a lad who's you know a, a, an international, uh, but. Dyer. I, I think I think he can be such a passenger in games. He, he offered them absolutely nothing. If I'm Dembele, I'm, I'm knocking on the manager's door saying, I wanted to move because I found this league too. I'm, I'm saying I'm finding this league physically too hard and I'm having to do his work. It's, it's hard enough just for me here. I'm having to do his work. Interesting to see Wanyama come on at the end. I, I, I think Wanyama now plays a bigger part. I think Dyer really struggles. And, you know, you've got a, a James Milner in the twilight of his career someone who's retired from international football saying it's, it's not for him anymore, absolutely showing him up. He's everywhere. And Eric Dyer is such a passenger. You've got, we've got Jordan Anderson sat on the bench, you know, a lad he's vying for competition with. That's a real opportunity for him to go and make a statement in a football match. And he's just not at the same level as some of the, the other midfielders on that pitch. Uh, including his own teammates. Is that the, one of the things is that, including his own teammates. And one who's, who's showing like his a, hand. You yeah. know, and that, that, that's so important. I mean, Tottenham can't build... A side in a in a two man midfield round him. I mean, Harry Winks was such an interesting pick. I mean, he plays him last year, so there must be an attribute he likes against Liverpool for him to play him in both of them fixtures. And I know they're short, 
But I, f- I feel like these have been much better going four two three one. Putting Ericsson in the middle, stop stop Ericsson having to make mad runs back, use him as a bit more of a luxury. Maybe just risk some. But Dyer for me was a someone needs there. to uh, grab Winks, don't they? And have a word with him about goal line technology. Like, what's yeah, he, it's, what's on, it's on a watch, mate. <laughs> he, he's literally kicking <laughs> off on the ref about the it's goal. It's not over the line, that mate. <laughs> it's like, There's a chip in the ball. No, no yeah. <laughs> It's sorted that, mate. That's not an argument anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's in. You can't have that one. Yeah, yeah. you got it. I was wondering if they were going to give a push or something. It was strange. The goal given twice, Gareth. It was like, he's given it. He's given it. Has he not given it? He's given something else. No, he has given it. He's yeah, given get him. Yeah. Uh, but on it, for years, and you know, for three or four years, we have gone to Liverpool matches and watched our goalkeepers get targeted. And I love ex- this, you know. We I just we just went at him, didn't we? We just went at him. It was like Bolton or something. It was like you know, how many times did you see Bolton do that to Liverpool, where they targeted the keeper? They they had like Kev Nolan standing on his feet and pushing him round, and us all getting a cob on watching it, going, "That shouldn't be allowed." <laughs> and, and then and then we'll, and then there on Saturday, Virgil's doing it to their keeper, and you're like, "Yes!" And like like they'd worked on that. They, it, it was it was when Alden mentions it in his post match, he's, he's talking to Redknapp and says they almost get it wrong. So one's meant to. Stay Stay with the keeper and one's meant to drop back post. And he says him and Joe Gomez gives him a shout to do one thing and he does the opposite and that's how he ends up scoring. So it's quite it's quite interesting that Liverpool have gone get on for him because yeah. I, I'm I'm all for Liverpool doing the last tactics. I mean the Manchester United were never shy of doing this, you know, they'll go into fixtures and go, oh, there's there's a weakness there, there's a clear weakness. Go for it. And I thought Tottenham thought the same about Allison. There was there was there was a couple of interesting moments in the game where I've where I think they've gone. Just see what his his mentality is like. Just fire a ball at him. You see Vertonghen try and try and lob him. See where his where his mindset's at. And I mean, I, I felt Allison came off Trumps. I thought he was really impressive. Well, I think sorry, this is where we're at with like the evolution of this Liverpool side. Is that for for so long there was a conversation about Liverpool set piece and how it seemed like we had no control over him. And now and now we're looking at it, and you've got players coming out post match saying, "Well, we're meant to do this," and like we actually got a, a strategy for all these things. And and this comes back to even when you're talking about like as employing the throwing coach and things like all all these little small margins that Liverpool now seem to be sort of smoothing over. This 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 is what makes great sides, and this Liverpool side are really on the cusp of that. I think what's, what what I'm impressed by with with the manager, and I think sometimes we overlook him, is that you see Jose Mourinho, and you sort of still know what to expect from Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho learns his coaching at a certain time, and it's almost like he stopped learning. There's not there's nothing new coming in. Where Klopp's evolving as management, Klopp's a much better manager now than the day he arrives at Liverpool, and I think that's that's overlooked a little bit. The fact. He's, he's embracing new things like the, the nutrition side was was something that was being highlighted recently, and I know we've had a bit of slack, a bit of stick over the uh, the throwing thing, but good, you know, it's mm. it's it's another it's another angle for Liverpool to win football games, and if if it's being a bit of a bit of an arlast and not 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 a football purist by standing on toes at corners, it got us an advantage. And these are all little wins we're having all over the pitch. It it shows sharp minds, I think, Gareth. I think yeah. That's what again one of the the. That Spurs side is a big physical side who, you know, tons of players in there have got bits and pieces of pace. But you just got the impression Liverpool was sharper. Liverpool were mentally sharper. Physically sharper, yes, but also mentally sharper. And, you know, as the game wore on, that sharpness just became more and more crystal clear to to, to, to anyone watching it. But also as well, the way they start, you know, the, the way they start is full of confidence and the ball's in the back of the net after 46 seconds. And then you don't get down out of from that. There's like two more chances within like three or four minutes. And it, and it's to start that way at a, at a big club, away at Wembley, all the pressure, 12.30 on the telly, you know, all of those things. 
the, the, the backing themselves massively, the confidence is there, they all know what they're doing. And then to, to start to bolt on to that little clever things, I'm bang into it. You know, like free kick routines and corner routines and things like that. That feels to me that's because finally, you know, after three years, Klopp's like, the group pretty much get it now. You know, the core of the coaching yeah. is done. They get it, they know what they're doing. So now we can work on little details, little fine margins that gets us wins and goals here and there. And what a brilliant place to be that. The, the, I, know, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it feels like Liverpool are actually treating from game one everything like a cup final. You know, I, I heard you say on the pink, Neil, about um, James Milner's attitude being like a February, March sort of fighting for everything in the refs here. Like, this this means so much to us. He had a lovely chat with Michael Oliver all afternoon, Milner. I was so pleased. He had a lovely chat with but him. But he, he did what he's meant to be doing. He's, he's done a real good cap, captain's job for Liverpool, but it, but in the right way. And he's put, he's been up, put in the captain's performance. But it, I think it was apparent with everyone. Even, even the second goal celebration, it was like, that's big. That's big. And five games in, sometimes you go, oh, it's early in the season, you can drop points. No, because Manchester City don't drop many points. Everyone needs to be reminded of the fact, what was it last season? They dropped 16 so points. 14 points. 14 points. So if you if you drop three, you've lost a huge percentage there of what you're allowed to lose compared to what they did last season. And Liverpool know it. It's been drilled into them. You do not drop anything stupidly. It's the second goal, um, Josh. It showed... It showed the, the alternative path for the game, to be honest with you. The version of the game where Liverpool win 5-0, the version of the game where Liverpool dominate. For 30 seconds, basically, everyone does the right thing. Mm. And uh, Liverpool are just absolutely exposed Spurs to the point that Vorm doesn't know where he is on the ground. You know, he, he, That's how bamboozled Tottenham have become by, by circumstances. Liverpool, everyone does the right thing. The ball's in the back of the net. Roberto Firmino from one yard out. Yeah, and it, it was Liverpool being reactive as well. It's interesting that you mentioned before about how much their their fullbacks bombed on because it all it all starts with Robertson and that sort of that out ball to Mane down the wing. And it feels like if if fullbacks going to push up against Liverpool and, and try and copy that sort of that Leicester style, then you want to see more of that. You want to see loads of that from Trent and Robertson playing that sort of curving ball in behind because our, our strikers will get on it every time. So Mane Mane gets onto it there, and then from from then that's that's almost like food and drink for our for our forwards to be able to. Be running at a, running, sorry, the wrong side of a defender, running to sort of cutting in towards the centre halves. So like that, that is that is literally what these what these forwards are built for. And then, like you say, to to, to be able to get the top in, it's, it's it's exactly what you want to see from Liverpool. I th- yeah, and um, I mean, them, them situations are quite interesting as well, actually, because I think what you take, what you put to remember when we're criticising Liverpool for getting into into positions where they should score a bit more. Is they are probably up against what has been known as the best centre half partnership in, in the Premier League for the last the last couple of years. You know, there's there's a point where Manny gets uh, I think it's Alderweireld one on one, and Alderweireld does a really good good job on making Manny take that extra touch, so he just gets a bit of a scuff shot off. But Liverpool do find a way. It's past a very settled defence. I think if if any if you can look back over Pochettino's reign, them four have probably played the most. You know, if that if you, now now Danny Rose is back in over Ben Davis. That's that's a very subtle defence. I know Lloris isn't there, but for Liverpool to go and create that many chances against a, a, a defence that don't concede many chances is quite impressive. I think, that, I think their centre-backs play quite well. Yeah, I, I, I think Vertonghen and Alderweireld, they're, they're two centre-backs who will probably never want to be turned in a game. So it was interesting that that was, that was probably one of the first times, maybe maybe there's a couple of other times where Liverpool had actually got in, got in behind the full-backs and been able to sort of get in behind where, where their centre-back line was because if you've got Amani or Salah running in behind them, that's exactly where Vertonghen and Alderweireld don't want to be. They almost want to have that Van Dijk in, in front of him 
same sort of control. They want to be able to say, I'll keep you there. And then, like you say, with the Mane chance of Alderweireld, that's exactly where, where he wants Mane. He wants to be able to go, well, I'm good enough for my position and to, to stop you getting it's a good exactly shot. It's exactly what Van Dijk does to Mbappe in the, yeah. the, the f- French, um, the France-Holland game. You know, it, it just just force him to go that extra touch wide where, where they haven't given the opportunity to pull the trigger properly. And they do a good game. They they, they do a good job in, in the game. But I think I think there's five lads to the side and ahead of them that that let them two down throughout the game constantly. The composure was the thing you noticed with the second goal. Everyone's very very composed on the Liverpool side, and and, that, and maybe that's the last time that's the case when you get into the final third for the rest of the match. Gareth, with the possible exception of Sturridge when he comes on, they were just all very much very much new. This was the opportunity. This was the moment. So I think Mane does absolutely brilliantly, and it's one of the things that does therefore make it surprising when it goes less well in the, the sort of the twenty minutes that follows. To be honest with you, is lads, this is the value of this. If you do everything right, you can kick it in the goal from a yard out. Yeah, I mean, um, we talked before, haven't we, about some of the earlier games about almost whether it felt there was like a, almost like a deliberate plan to create better chances and and, and to almost make sure, um, you know, instead of having like pot shots on the edge of the box and things like that, and it felt like they went a little bit too much the other way uh, against Spurs in that, like, you know, overthought it a little bit. I, th- I certainly think Mo was doing that. I think, I think Mane was doing that as well. But on on that goal, that just felt more instinctive. Lovely ball by Robertson. Mane, you know, gets to the line, puts it across, and and it's in the back of the net, as you say. And it, it felt like that was done on instinct, whereas some of the other ones... There was so much... Spurs were giving us so much space at times, or, or we found so much space, that it was almost like the decision-making. It, it was one of them things where, you, you know, you're running towards a goal, you've got loads of time to think about it, and then you'd end up making the wrong that, decision. Well, that's the Mane Kaita one. And I think he does all right near Mane, but you can see for ages, he's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just keep moving forward because they okay. keep running backwards, and I've got three lads. And I don't think I'll want to pass to Firmino but I might in a minute and I'm sound with these two here what I, I, I'll just give it to him now it's a decent <laughs> save that as well to be fair I mean like you know Kaita you know obviously easy to say you should keep it low or whatever but it, it's a decent effort and it's a decent save it, it, it's just with hindsight that you say maybe you can go the other side or maybe Kaita can square or whatever but I mean, overall, they should kill them off. One of the things I wanted to go back on, um, when we were saying about Liverpool being a bit cleverer now as well, is is that I think that the high line that they're taking on like opposition free kicks is really interesting as well because that's like that's a dangerous thing to do if you like, and it's not what like we get it right again though. We get, exactly, we get them offside that, that, again. That's what we? I'm saying, but and it, it's hard to do that, but but it shows the confidence at the back to to do it and keep doing it and keep catching sides offside. I mean, I don't know whether there's any stats kicking around about sort of number of times you know Liverpool are getting sides offside now compared to some time in the past, but it feels like the nail in it. The it feels like they're doing really well with that. It's, a, it's the, the evolution of of our back line is is really interesting. I mean, pre pre game, I was looking at this and thinking uh, last in the last fixture against Tottenham, which is you know thirty four Premier League games ago. It's not that long. It's Mignolet in goal. It's Joe Gomez at right back. Lovren, Matt Moreno, and then just there's no one playing in the same capacity there in this game. Obviously, Joe Gomez plays, but he's at centre half. It's it's completely different, and to to look as well drilled. And when we're talking about Tottenham having so many games in the bank together as they do in in that short amount of time, it's it's really quite impressive. They've they've gone through a bit of a crucible though together. That was one of the other things that mm. sort of occurred to me about this one is Paul. You know. 
clock can turn around and look at them and say, you got a result in the Stadio Olimpico, lads. You went to the Etihad, you got a result. You know, that that was one of the things that occurred to me during that second half was that Liverpool have played and won in more big games than Tottenham across the last 12 months so, and possibly even and that's that this is harsh on Tottenham because they've finished ahead of us as many times as they have but even yeah. across the last three years Liverpool are able to have now concite genuine examples and you can even go if you want to for a couple of them all the way back to the Europa League run they've played and won big matches big games of football in a way in which I just don't think Tottenham have No that's fair That, that I suppose that is fair I mean the, the Tottenham finishing ahead of, us, ahead of us thing frustrates us but yeah, I think as a unit they've got things where they can they can use as points of references in the dressing room or or, or even on the pitch. But like how how we got out of X situation, you know, yeah. when Man- Manchester City really had us under the cosh after they scored that early goal at the Etihad in the Champions League semi um, quarters, I should say. The that we did this and that got us out of this, and it's good that they've got them experiences. I know Spurs last season they beat they beat Real Madrid at home and they've got little bits of that, but. It's, Liverpool have having to be doing this when it really matters, and the the relief that you see sort of from Van Dijk and stuff at the end when when they're all embracing it's like we've done it again. That's another one of them things that we can achieve together. It's 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 really good to see, but also that the, the goalkeeper could have, could feel now like he's been here twelve months. I felt at the weekend it just there's not there was no it doesn't feel like there's a getting to know your process where you know I think historically you go. I remember swapping from I can't remember who it was the dude and he was left foot and they keep playing him on his right foot. There's not there's none of that. Oh, they were still more than happy to go back to him, weren't they? As well, like you know, you, you, you might think possibly is there some kind of hangover from the Leicester situation. He wasn't bothered. The defenders weren't bothered. They were going back to him. They gave him a few under pressure as well, yeah. and he was fine with them. That's the one he kicks out for a throw in, wasn't there? Which which was sort a lesson learned yeah, straight away. Yeah, yeah. It was really impressive that like. I... But, it, but it it shows you the level of you know where he is mentally. Like he, he's a he's obviously to to my mind what I'm seeing so far is that he's a mentally strong character because you've seen other keepers all of a sudden collapse. Yeah. You know, off, off that situation, and to see him playing so confident, I I just love, by the way, that he just takes everything in as well. Do you know what I mean? He he doesn't seem to be too much into the idea of parrying things. He wants it in. That's he wants, that free he wants kick it in the ground. I, I watched the back and tell because I was so impressed with the way he holds onto yeah. it. And on the telly, it doesn't really come across. There's some venom behind that strike. Like I was fully expecting them to drop it, and how he just holds onto it just shows that what happens at Leicester hasn't faced them. There was another one, one as well where like um, Kane was was ready to pounce. And again, he just took it into his body straight away and looks the business. There is outstanding performers on the day. Uh, Josh, my first one's Firmino. I think he's it's his fifth start of the season, and there'd have been an argument after his first couple of games, maybe not even to give him a third start. Uh, he's you know struggled to to get himself back going. Uh, yet he was, I thought he was marvelous. I thought it was a real. For me, he was probably my man of the match. He was probably my pick of the bunch because I think he set a tone. I think that that it's more he he sets. This is how Liverpool are going to attack, and he ensures Liverpool are not not getting outnumbered anywhere on the pitch with the fact that he works across that line and behind him over and over and over again. Yeah, I remember me and you having a sort of a, a disagreement at Leicester about about uh, Firmino's performance there because I actually thought on the day not not necessarily in an offensive capacity but in a, in a defensive capacity he was he was he was sort of on another level to to anyone else on the pitch for Liverpool really a bar, bar in the midfielders at Leicester who were who were who were unreal but it felt like he had that had that similar thing going against Tottenham in terms of whenever he dropped deep he was he was so useful to Liverpool when they didn't have the ball but then also when Liverpool were on the ball he was he was everything that he wasn't at Leicester he was getting his flicks off his little passes were coming. 
off here and there. And the the best thing I suppose was his was his attacking positioning, and it's where you say that you want it, you want Liverpool to have as many of them one yard tappings as possible. Firmino will get so many of them over the course of a season if he manages to, to position himself the way he did in that game. He, to me, Paul, he, he managed to to give a bit of a contribute centre centre forward performance without going that close to his centre halves. It wasn't as though it was it wasn't a sort of a I'm going to win the battle against X and Y. He just basically gave them constant questions to answer. Who's going to go with him? Who's going to come and find him? Who's going to come and be responsible for him this time? And neither of them wanted to because of the sheer the space that was getting left out wide. Then they didn't want to be exposed on the other side, and he just exploited it over and over again. Yeah, he's orchestrating now our front three moves. He he, he sort of embodies everything. That that front three are about, you know, he's, he's cap- captain of industry, but he's so intelligent. But he's got a bit of flair, you know. There's so there's so there's so much good about him. I mean, I I take to try and mark him, you know, because one minute he's right through the middle, next minute he's playing on the number ten position as the other two join in. Then he's on the left, then he's on the right. He must be an absolute nightmare for centre halves. But he's also really good. He's not. He's not just one of these forwards who's a bit of a nuisance because his movement's good. He's also a twenty-goal a season striker. The, I mean, the injury he gets is absolutely gruesome. By the way, <laughs> them photos coming out after that, I didn't have a clue what had gone on with him. I've seen him he's holding his face, but it wasn't. I wasn't quite sure. So, but that's absolutely. Well, it's, great. Interesting, it's interesting. You mentioned the centre half marking in there because I think what a lot of teams will try and do this season is similar to what Leicester will do in terms of Leicester will try and keep a man almost around for me, you know, for, for the midfielders. So it's not the centre half business. Whereas, like you mentioned, Tottenham's midfield before they they didn't have that at all. So it so it ended up being one of their centre halves. Mm. You had to mark him, and that's where I think then he he can be his strongest is when he can keep away from the centre half, but but he gets his game going because there's no midfielder anywhere. It just near. creates confusion. You know, who's got him? Who's got him? Because. The people that are arriving left, right, and centre from 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 wide or going past Firmino, and Firmino sometimes will just stand. You just stand at the edge of the box. He's he's not going to go and get that goal he gets the other day because this time Kite has gone ahead of him or Milner's yeah. gone ahead of him. It it must be an absolute nightmare. That that was the the one I noticed about where you know the one we, the chance we mentioned earlier where it ends with Kite having the shot. It's it, it's Firmino deep. You you start that mm. move. Mm. And, and it's, it's a great ball, by the way. It's a dead clever ball. But it's like, when he's in that position, Spurs must be looking at him going, he's meant to be up front, isn't he? Yeah. What's he doing there? Yeah, but then then Kaiser's intelligent enough to, to go, he's there so I can push on now. Yeah, Owen Alton as well, yeah. yeah. I, wonder wh- I wonder whether that's the way it'll go throughout the course of the season, though, whether Kaiser will be one of the sort of early runners. Because Mane, Mane on the counter-attack is one of the really early runners. So I wonder whether Firmino now is going to be the almost late runner who maybe picks up scraps on the edge of the box once you've actually moved forward. But Kaiser will be the one who almost supersedes him every time. I thought it was interesting to see that when they make the change for Firmino, that they put Kaiser through the middle, you know, because who's who's most likely to make to drop in and try and allow them two from the sides to come in, but also who can play that sort of false nine role? I thought I thought uh, you couldn't have done it for a while, but just in the in the periods of the game where you're quite happy to sit it out a little bit, that was that was an interesting move. I just I want to keep Kaiser on the on the pitch because he's busy because because he, he can keep the ball, he can get us out of tight situations. But also, you can enable the other two to come in a little bit and drag the centre halves back out. And, and I wonder whether it's almost a precursor to them bringing Sturridge on as well, because I think if you if you see much of Sturridge playing with Mane and Salah this season, I think that's a similar thing to what to what he'll have to do is what what Klopp was expecting Kate to do. It'll be it'll be Mane and Salah broadly sort of running on and Sturridge having to drop a bit deep and do well, a bit of that. Well, way. Henderson was coming on for Kaita until yeah. what happens with yeah. with um, with, with Firmino's Firmino. eye and. 
So that that move was happening, but as soon as someone who had them attributes needed to come out the game, it was like, no, it's not Kaita this time. We're going to do something else, yeah. and it shows that it shows the manager's mentality a little bit. Um, next one I want to talk about was Robertson. Uh, it was the sort of performance that would be quite easy to go unheralded, uh, Gareth. But for me, I think he is certainly the pick of all four fullbacks who were on the pitch uh, for either side throughout the course of the game. I think he's he's now so wonderfully pitched at 7 out of 10 that it's the, the only variance is whether or not he goes 8, 9, 10 mm. and that you know he can just have 15 minutes where suddenly he's, he's 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 everywhere in the game and then he can have 15 minutes where because the play goes down the other side he's nowhere he's not really involved and then he just comes back in and it, 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 there's there's an unbelievable level of reliability about him there's a, the, 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 the brain on him must be magnificent yeah I mean it, it's a man comfortable in his skin now as first choice fullback for Liverpool isn't it and you know that wasn't the case at first obviously and we all know that story and how we got into the side and it does feel like like I've done this to myself a few times where you go and look how many games he's played for Liverpool because it feels like he's been here forever yeah. and, and and it's still only sort of 30 odd or you know it might be into 40 by now I'm not sure I haven't got it in front of me but it's not it, it's a lot less than you'd think and it's like you know not long ago the lads kicking around playing for Hull now he's like, you know, one of the best left backs in the league, captain in his country. And he just keeps getting better and better. And yet you're absolutely right where, you know, when's the last time Robertson has a stinker? When's the last time he's roasted by someone? When's the, you know when's his last bad ten? Yeah. Mm. When's the last ten minutes where you thought I'm concerned about Robertson yeah. is? He's one of them players for Liverpool who 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 you don't mind being really active. I think there's there's some players who who maybe still I think Trent sometimes you don't want him to be too active in a game. You don't want too much of the play to go down his side. Whereas Robertson you you take him being active in a game every single day of the week, whether that's on the ball or off the ball. I don't think he's ever had a bad game for us. Like I'm trying, I'm racking my brain trying to think when he's when he's not had a good game. He's go he, all the way back to the start, maybe and say like Leicester. Leicester well, yeah. in that Leicester game, he's he's the busiest player on the pitch. Yeah. He, I think he may be a little bit wasteful in his in his crossing, but I, I'm not sure that he's ever had a, a truly bad game for Liverpool. And the the comfortable in the skin thing is uh, is the interesting one really because I remember Stuart Downham coming to Liverpool and he and you sort of had not not similar expectation, but you had expectation, but he had this this almost fear about playing for Liverpool. Well, Andy Robertson's the complete opposite, where he's just like, yeah, I'm co- completely at home here. It's that that presence of mind is quite unique, actually. That it, that he just he's coming to this Liverpool side from a whole side relegated, and he's just flown since he got the opportunity. You can see that he likes. He just in, you can see that he he basically enjoys it all as well. And what I mean by that, like you know, you've seen various bits of media and stuff that have come out where like it's clear and, and stuff they've done on social media as well where it's clear that Robertson and Milner are mates and they get on and they have a laugh but then I think on the pitch as well they they help each other all the time you mm. can see them talking to each other you can see them giving each other a little slap on the back and saying well in lad and you know again Milner's a great example for everyone there you know Milner's doing more than just what you're seeing on the pitch I, I think he's great just to have around have the experience be a fella who can say I've won this league and I know what it takes and I think that's so vital like I, I really like sort of the messages that were coming out afterwards so I watched all like the post-match interviews and all that kind of thing and you had Milner basically fuming about the goal fuming about conceding the goal and saying we've got to do better than that but then also you know saying we were better today the midfield wasn't that good against Leicester. It was better today. We were winning the ball higher up, and that's what we need to do. And it, it you know, he sounds like a manager talking. Do you know what I mean? He, he, he sounds like a fella who's having a deep think about every game. And then when it went to Klopp, Klopp, Klopp was asked about Van Alden and how, how well he'd played, and the fact that he's finally scored an away goal in the Premier League and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, you know, the, the interviewer said, but it's not just that. You know, his game in general all day, he was, he was brilliant. 
and Klopp went, yeah, yeah, but the thing is, when you play that well, the next question is, can you keep doing it? Mm. Can you keep showing that consistency? And, it, and it, it's great that after result, a result and a performance like that, that the manager can sort of come out and and throw down little challenges, knowing that you can get into Vinaldum's head there because he can still lose his place because there's still people sitting there on the bench waiting for a chance. There's still, you know, you still got a Brazilian fella you played forty million quid for. You still not got a chance, and it's like it's. It's just this thing now. You just think with that with the competition for places now, I I think Liverpool will main, maintain the standard. That, that and for me it's 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 a lot because there's no there's no opportunity being created by um by poor performance. You know if you're Jordan Anderson and Fabinho, you're going you you're not hoping for someone to have a bad game, but you're almost there's games where someone's not quite at it, and you go well, am I am I gonna look in for him next time? But the way they're performing at the moment, even if you look at Leicester, you go, the midfield three wasn't great, but maybe Henderson didn't shine as much as the other two. So it goes, it reverts back to what you've seen so far. And I'd be a little bit concerned that these two are going to get a stranglehold being on a balanced three, you know, the one that works for Liverpool. Because if you're Jordan Henderson, club captain on the pitch, you're going, well, they're not missing captain's attributes because James Milner's doing this. You're not missing this. Because, like, Fabinho must be scratching his head going, I don't see where my opportunity comes. Firstly, because the club captain sat on the bench next to me. So if there's one coming in, it's probably going to be him. And then I've got to wait again. It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. Uh, I think it'll come though. Uh, I think it's going to be a long campaign, and uh, mm. nothing else you can see. You can see that he likes to pull them in and out. You mentioned both Milner and Wijnaldum, uh, Robertson and Fabinho. They would be outstanding performers. Me, the ones of Van Dijk, Josh. Uh, I had Van Dijk. I, I'm pleased. Gareth said before that he didn't think Van Dijk was was was, was unimpeachable or anything like that because I'm I'm intrigued by that. I, I agree with him, but I think one of the things is now he's now at the sort of point where the football world is just basically going, you can't get near this fella. That, that, that This is it. That it, it, it's it's Vidic Ferdinand levels of this is how good he is. It's John Terry levels of this is how good he is. It's it's dominant centre-half in the division territory now of everyone just sort of going, this fella's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned the, the sort of rectangle thing before because there's, it almost feels like there's no way you can really get at Van Dijk. You don't, I, I imagine opposition teams will look at him and go, like, how do you, how do you get past this fellow? They'll pin everything on Gomez because there's maybe, there's maybe a weakness you could possibly highlight in, in, in Gomez in terms of the certain performance where you might be able to get the better of him if, if you're running at him in front of him. So I think of Lucas Moore in this game where he, he has a beating of Gomez at one point or B, he has to come out of position to get to him. But with Van Dijk, I don't see how you do that because like Paul said before, you got the Mbappe situation for, for France and Holland where, where he keeps in front of him and he got, he's good position and you've got if you go over his head yeah, he'll either clear with his head or, or in behind he's, he's not going to get really beaten in a foot race by many people unless there's a, a, a sort of substantial amount of ground to cover so I imagine for opposition teams they're having to look at him and think what do you do about this fella just as much as they are about any of the front three it is a what you do about this fella thing, Paul, and I think that that's it matters. This stuff in that, in terms of again, it back to it being half to half twelve on a Saturday. You know, football. We think that we've seen. You know, the good thing about the city behind the scenes thing is it does remind you that on a base level, it's eleven lads playing a game and three coaches, and the the very nature of even you know even at the very highest level, even the very best sides are at times looking at each other, going, "What do you do about him?" What do you do about him? How do you deal with this? And they'll now be saying, you know, are we going to do something about Van Dyke? 
or saying let's just try to keep away from that. And and I just think that that you know football is built to some degree on it's built on unbelievable achievement. It's built on brilliant concentration. It's built on physical attributes, but it's also ever so slightly built on bullshit. You know, the, it is. It's built on it's built on this idea of of yeah, they, he's unreal, so don't even bother. And that is that is now where Van Dijk got himself. I think in such in such quick time, it's not twelve months he's been a Liverpool player, and he is in the category of he's unreal, don't even bother. Yeah, I mean, I would hate to, hate to try and play against them when you feel like you can't beat them on the air, you can't beat them on the ground. Where is the weakness? And that that's the thing for me. Where is the weakness? Because Man City get a little bit of a bit of change out of them at the Etihad. You know, Sterling knocks them off the ball, they get in behind, and that I think since then, you know, there's a little there's a little thing at Leicester where Joe Gomez saves them. I can't really remember what else. Sane roasted them pre-season. Well, yeah, no, he did, he did, he did. I, I'm intrigued by that because I'd play on him. I'm going to keep saying it, and, and I hope no one listens. I'd actually play on him. I'd actually make him dead busy for 15 minutes because I think at the minute he doesn't. He actually doesn't. It's got to such an extent now that everyone just tries to keep the ball away from him. I think the idea of don't let him basically walk around the pitch like he owns it. Mm. Instead, make him do some defending for a bit. Yeah, and see if you can rattle. Don't him. let him be the cool guy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that that's that's it because people are starting to show him so much respect in his own head. He's like, I'm sound here. I'm sound here. And he had that little thing at Leicester where he wasn't sound for a minute, you know. So he's only one man as well. You can't you can gang up on him a little bit. So but the thing is is that he's he's found a partner there in Joe Gomez that that is allowing him they've got they've got similar attributes in a way. It's not it doesn't feel like Ferdinand and Vidic people were saying about can Gomez be the guy who puts his body in the line? That the, the thing that Virgil van Dijk's not famous for, you know. Can he do that? But it, it almost feels like he doesn't have to at the moment. And Joe, I know you touched on Joe Gomez there a second ago with that thing with Mora. I think if it's anyone but Lucas Mora, he actually tries to, to smash it out because mm-hmm. there's no recovery against Lucas Mora. He's so fast. And like Gomez has got. If Gomez doesn't go, I think he's all right. But the fact that he's had to go and then recover, he's given Lucas Mora the inch he just can't afford to give him. I wonder whether that City at the Etihad thing is, is is how you play Van Dijk. I wonder whether that's it's almost like there was a couple of other midfielders for City who cut the passing lane and then Sterling was the one who chased him in the end sort of forced him out wide. And I wonder whether that's where you get him when you when you almost take away his, his ability to be composed because like you say, there's probably not probably not enough of a challenge for Van Dijk in terms of he, he seems to, when he has the ball, just have the whole pitch to look at and there's, there's just usually players backing off and then he's allowed to, to pick his pass. Whereas City were probably the only ones who's, who sort of like to force him maybe out wide or back towards his own goal. So I wonder whether that is for, for opposition teams, how you do it. But then are there teams who are good enough to execute that like like City do? Are, are yeah. teams lower down the league going to be ambitious enough to go? Are you going to want to spend your time midweek working on how we deal with their exactly. centre-back? Yeah. How we deal with their centre-back? <laughs> yeah, Gafford, they've got three lads up front. They scored 100 goals last year. Can we have a look at that, please? <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing for me with that one is that, but there's the best centre halves ever, ever will always go to the, the Manchester City are probably the best side in Europe. So if that's the only side that you can really consider giving them a headache, then you're going to be fine against the majority. So if Leroy Sane is the lad who gives him a headache, then Sand because Fernando Torres was the guy that gave Nemanja Vidić a headache, and that that was Sand as well. You're allowed to have that one, the one. The one club or the one guy that's going to test you, you know, the fact is that he's not being tested by by Tottenham, you know, is something you can take away from it. By Harry Kane. By Harry Kane, a lad who's what he's thirty goals and I don't know how many. I, I like I, honestly, I couldn't tell you one thing Harry Kane does from that in that game, and that is not the norm. Like I know some people initially had doubts about Harry Kane and his ability to do it for a long time, but I've seen enough of Harry Kane now to say he's absolutely, absolutely top draw. And Virgil van Dijk doesn't really break a sweat with him. On them, 
Gareth, I think, you know, we've raved about us there enough. They look aside to me with loads of questions to answer out there. It seems it seems like the manager's got too much work to do. Like, he's got to constantly solve stuff. And you said before, you get the impression our manager now is a bit like, everyone knows the jobs. Mm. You all know your jobs. Yeah, there'll be team meetings. Yeah, there'll be this is how you deal with this threat, this is how you deal with this threat. But you literally know what it is to, to play for us and what we're going to try and do here in this game. You know it innately, to some degree. With them, you know, you are looking at it's another change of shape. He's gone from four at the back three at the back four at the back three at the back. This is his four. He's, you know, he's he's, he's winks he's, randomly coming in, exactly dropping winks in. Mm. Then he changes it at half time because the one nil down, and he's got it. It's not, it's not a criticism. In fact, none of this is a criticism of him. But for the first time, I did begin to think, yeah, there's there's there's. There's something not quite right here. And maybe, you know, we turned it around after getting beat there last season and we went on a really good run and we've been in great shape. So there's no reason why they can't do the same. They're all good players. But I am looking at them, Kevin. They, they did look really vulnerable. And I think, yeah, it's partially because of us, but it was almost like the manager's just got to try to sort stuff out all the time. And as we've seen in the past, that can only take you so far. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you wonder about some of the stuff we discussed before the game, really. I mean, you know... It was interesting speaking to Paul Dehaney and obviously he is a Spurs fan and he was saying, you know, we've got loads of 26 internationals or whatever and this idea that, you know, us not signing anyone in the summer was was disastrous in some way. He wasn't really having it. But I still wonder about it because I just think like new faces in the in the in on the training ground just brings a level of freshness, a, a level of challenge as well that, like, you know, I might lose my place here type of thing. And, and to not do it, I don't know, I just think it sows some kind Look of seed for you. You know, the pressure that's been put on Wijnaldum by Kaiser. And then all of a sudden Kaiser, it goes up a level. Yeah. Kaiser and Fabinho arriving, and then all of a sudden Wijnaldum's stepping up. Milner you know? as well. Mil- yeah, of course. Well, Mil- I mean, Milner's good anyway, but I mean, I feel like he, he's, stepped he, he, up, he's gone. If my place is under threat, then right, I'm doing this, boys. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's it. Comp- competition removes inconsistency a little bit. There's something else though there. The two that you've just mentioned, neither of which went away for the World Cup. And that was because they just looked... I thought, I, thought, as well. I thought for Tongan, Van Dijk, I thought for Tonga and Robertson, I thought for Tongan played well. But even for Tongan, Paul, and I've rated him for ages, I was watching him on the turn and he just looked a tiny bit slower than he used to. This lad he used to be able to play left-back. Both in the 30s though. For Tonga, Ronaldo. Yeah, that, well, that's the well. other thing as well. That, that, that This Tottenham side is now another year older. And for a few of them, like Deli Ali, that's a good thing. But there's a few others where that's not. But, yeah, but, but we've one... said as well, haven't we? Sorry, mate. We, we've said as well like that one of the great things about Liverpool is not just like, you know, they all know the system now and they all know the manager and they all know what's expected of them. But also that there isn't a problem. There isn't. There isn't a player right now who's pushing for a move. There's the little niggling thing around Mane, like you'd like him to sign this deal. But but that aside, there's no like, there's no problem, child. There's no Sacco. There's no issues there. There's no. There's no player who's on the pitch at any point where you're like, what's he doing at Liverpool? Whereas at Tottenham, the issues are racking up for me. Like you know, it's still no ground. Didn't buy no no one in the summer. Situation now around the goalkeeper and the zinc driving. You know, on the fitness a, questions on about seven of them. Yeah, started. Ha- yeah. People starting to say is Harry Kane goosed from from the summer as well. well it's quite possible. It's quite possibly all true. Yeah. You know, the the thing for me is obviously the two centre halves in the thirties. That that suits some centre halves. But they're still, with every year that goes, they're decreasing slightly. Danny Rose has been out of favour. He's obviously done interviews the club didn't like. Um, Trippier has had his first proper full season 
at Tottenham last season, then a World Cup, and then straight back in because he doesn't quite fancy Aurier by the looks of things. Dembele has basically Dembele's said, "I'd rather not play Premier League footy anymore, lads. It's dead fast." Well, he's done what Danny Aga did. You know, he's gone. My body can't handle this. But Aga got off, and Dembele's not being given the opportunity because Tottenham tried to do. I think they tried to get the lad from. Um, Valencia in the summer, didn't they? That was at Inter. I can't remember his name. Um, Vanega? No. Um, Don't worry about it. Let's just cross yeah. over. Me and you just say footballers' names. Yeah, Pablo Aymar or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the um, so th- there is, as Gareth says, there's there's problems racking up. They do, they did look tired, Tottenham, and that's that's one thing. When I think Liverpool, you know, we can say what we like, Tottenham. The, the amount of their lads that started that game that were in the last week of the World Cup. It's quite impressive. Paul, I remember us doing a, a gutter before the season started where, where we looked at all the all the sort of top six, our rivals for the top six in terms of the business they've done. And, and we were looking at Tottenham and thinking this could be a really make or break season for them. And it's interesting, you mentioned before, Neil, about, about Pochettino having to solve too many problems. Because I just wonder this season whether he's left himself too much to do. When there's, when there's, when there's teams like Liverpool who are really sort of stores, starting to establish a foothold and there's, and there's teams like Chelsea and Arsenal who who now have this new project which they're going to be dead excited about, about getting into. I wonder whether Tottenham have, have spent so many seasons just sort of slightly improving that now they've given themselves too much improving to do and they've not actually given themselves the tools to do it they're, they're, they're going into a season now and looking at it where they'd almost like to be the side who, who tick away quietly but there's going to be a lot of questions asked about them it's also but it is Gareth it, you know it's a, it's a really bad weekend for Tottenham you know we beat them at their gaff uh, City win Chelsea win Man United win Arsenal win you know it, it's now I think everyone's now got nine points uh, or in City's case, 13, or us and Chelsea sitting on 15. So they're now having gone to Old Trafford and won, and that's the thing. They've gone to Old Trafford and won, and now they're sitting there going, yeah, it's, they've almost not, they, could do, it's, they don't feel the benefit, for no. want of a phrase. No, and, and, and it's, it's, two, it's two defeats on the spin as well, isn't it? And when you, when you saw the managers talking afterwards as well, I didn't think he was entirely convincing what he said. I mean, what, what he said was that, you know, um, if they'd managed to nick one at the end, if they'd got that penalty decision, then loads of people would have said, would have hailed Tottenham's character and said at least they stayed in it when it wasn't their best day and, and, and that they'd been dominated and that kind of thing. And I just thought, mm, I'm, I'm not sure about that as like a sort of takeaway message. It, it doesn't really sound that convincing. Um, and yeah, I mean... Great if they end up in crisis because that's someone else that we don't need to worry about. Yeah. Basically, um, you know, more more of that, please. I mean, you already sort of feel like you can begin to write Arsenal off again. Um, even even despite the win, you're not really taking them seriously. No, not really. You? No, um, just kind of think this new fella and his madness around goalkeepers and and that kind of thing for a start. Um, ring some alarm bells, and then if Tottenham sort of sink into that as well, and you know, you know that they've got this this ground thing. I think hang, hangs over here. I know the record at Wembley isn't that bad, but I just think it's weird, and I, and I think it's going to continually be another thing where it'll keep getting pushed back. You know, the news stories will continue about how much it's costing them and all that sort of stuff. The fans, I think, might start to get a little bit on edge and like they'll start to go, well, I mean, I'm certainly going, looking at it from the outside, going, well, hang on, she spent a lot of money on this ground. He decided not to buy anyone in the summer. Mm, it's very you know Arsenal. I mean? It's very yeah. Arsenal. And what Arsenal then you have to put up with. My thing with Pochettino is, you know, since, since, the, since Kiev... He then commits to a new contract. Zidane just wins another European Cup. Zidane's going nowhere. He he signs a new contract. Zidane, Zidane, Zidane goes. Mm. 
they don't sign a player, and then you kept saying, "I'm so so happy, I'm so so happy." And I don't know if you've ever seen it's like that episode of Friends where Ross is going, "I'm fine," you know, "I'm fine." <laughs> where I'm not, I'm not quite convinced he is fine. I think he would have really quite liked that opportunity. Now his stock was at the end of last season. You know, he knows the grass is greener elsewhere, doesn't he? Absolutely. The thing, especially if Spurs do become this sort of this problem team over over the course of this season, he's he's going to know that you know Real Madrid. I, I don't know whether they've whether they're going to be in sort of good situation with their manager for for however long. It probably depends on what Barcelona do this season. But he's going to be looking at that, thinking that they're, they're always going to be sniffing around me. They're not going to go away really. Lopetegui's not the guy that I, I think. Tottenham Hotspur wanted to be in, in the hot seat no. at, uh, at Real Madrid because despite the fact he was the Spain manager and despite the fact he's done a good job at Porto and stuff in the past, he's not the big name that's going to be there for the next three or four years. And he's a short-term solution. And all, if things start going wrong at Tottenham, it'd be easy for Pochettino to just go. And Tottenham, Tottenham could have almost done without the controversy around the way that he got appointed as Real Madrid manager because it almost it almost puts him on the back foot of Real Madrid straight away as well. It's so pro Spanish football. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's going to make it really difficult, you know, for Pochettino to sort of look away from that. The Reds have got to keep doing the Reds and move right the way forward. Hopefully, keep coming up against and deepening clubs in crisis. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, a pleasure to watch Liverpool at the weekend as they decimated Tottenham Hotspur by two goals to one. Normally, it doesn't happen that way, but that is the way it did indeed happen. Uh, thank you very much indeed to Josh Sexton to Gareth Roberts and to Paul Senior uh, thank you very much indeed for Reds best partnering with us in the whole of 2018 and thank you very much to you for listening the Reds are on the march Paddy Sanjaman next good lord what a time to be a Liverpool supporter Sports Social Podcast Network